Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport, the record book. Welcome once again to the latest edition of the Game Day, the record book podcast with me, Danny Kelly, and my fantastic uh, array of co-hosts. I'll tell you about that in just a second. You know the story here. We take uh, the weekend's action um, and we discuss the best and worst performances, heroes, villains. That's the theory of it. It usually ends up in discussing, uh, in, last, in last week's case, Andy Reid and how he got that big shirt to play in for Spurs. Other times we've ended up talking about going to football on a bus and all the rest of it. Uh, in theory, I'm making an actual physical game day record book um, for the end of the season, which will be given to one of you, the loyal listeners. Um, I have to say, it's, it's not coming along very well so far. I've got the big glittery book. Uh, Jeremy, our producer, provided me with that. And I've got the crayons. Uh, my niece, Kelly, yes, she's called Kelly, um, has provided me with those. But I haven't made much of a start. But by the end, it will be fantastic. So help me get through today's edition of the podcast, which, of course, you are so welcome. I'm delighted to say making a very welcome and very quick return. I kind of think somebody might have dropped out. It's Mark, a broadcaster, West Ham fan, DJ, all-round broadcasting legend, Mark Webster. Hello, Mark. I, 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 you know, if you need anyone to fill a giant hole, yeah, well, look, so to speak. No, look no further. But <laughs> okay. I mean, if you look at Terence Stamp, has got a lovely uh, hand when it comes to calligraphy. Where's he if going you need with the this? Book well, you just said you're going oh. to get the record book done. Oh, yeah. And I interviewed Terence Stamp oh, a couple right, of years go. back yes. uh, when he was making a film. And uh, we're talking about it because he comes from County Town. He comes from where my mum came from. Star Lane. about his life just around the corner from Star Lane, <laughs> oh, which, yeah. of course, is where um, David Essex went to school. Yeah, near the Tate Lyle factory. Left that terrible smell around Tate the place the whole time. Tate was the yeah. one. That's where yeah. she came from. And uh, Terence Stamp said, here, yeah, I'll give this to your dear old mum. And he signed a little thing to her, and it was beautiful. So he's got a lovely hand. This rather reminds me of uh, something I did on a previous uh, radio show with the uh, the boy Baker, where we uh, were, we were comparing. We got a, a calligraphy expert in to look at hundreds of footballers' autographs, see what they could tell you about them. And the one that we really started to focus on was the person who wrote his name in not joined up writing, just wrote the individual letters. Nice. Um, I, won't, I won't spoil it for you at this stage because I actually met him. He's a very nice man. Uh, former England international. We'll leave it no stronger than that for now. We'll come back to this perhaps later in the show or later in uh, the, the, the whole uh, season of podcasts. Uh, joining Mark as well, I'm delighted to say. Um, I hope I'm able to do joined up writing. He certainly can do joined up thinking. Very good player in his time. Uh, very, very West Ham heavy show here. Former West Ham player, Crystal Palace card, if he asked me to say. Yeah. And of course, over 300 caps for Wales. 
Wales. I'm delighted to say Danny Gabadon is making his debut. Hi, Danny. Hi, Danny. Thank but, you for having me. Don't be confused I'd by the two Danny, Dannys. I'm going to say okay. Danny Heavy, if you don't <laughs> yeah, mind. Sure. And that, of course, is what the ladies want at all times. <laughs> oh, no, Heavy Danny. Separate <laughs> thing. Angle ball in is a good one. Headed down and in by Ayu. He's offside. Flag has gone up. Now, that will be checked. That will be checked. Ayu has found the back of the net. He's disputing the decision. It's a goal. Crystal Palace have taken the lead here. Crystal Palace look like they're doing it again. On the road, they are a dangerous team. West Ham 1, Crystal Palace 2. And Wolves can break here. Traore, who's round for Antonio Traore for his second of the match. One on one scores! Adam Traore secures the three points for Wolves here at the Andy Hat. Having spent five minutes um, winding our way towards the start of the show, <laughs> why don't we try and come out of the uh, the starting gate like the number six dog at Catford, uh, if you like. Um, uh, performance of the week. This is how it starts, Danny. Um, we try to talk about performance of the week, and it usually ends up, as I say, uh, discussing the inside of someone's car. Um, <laughs> look, why don't we start with you, Mark, because um, you, you seem to have the most notes in front of you. Who's your performance of the week? Oh, copious, copious. Uh, I was there yesterday, uh, London Stadium, and it ah. was the Saturday... Saturday game, of course, in the evening, tea time kickoff, mm. which provides you with no real opportunity to know what time to have your meal at night. Yes. Yeah. They're very confusing. Well, still, I think that might be like deliberate because they want to sell you the food at the stadium uh, uh, well, where you can pay your seven quid well, for a pie. Can't, they can't be your evening meal. No. Standing up food is not your evening meal. So I was, so I actually, we had me, my son, and my grandson, and loads of chicken nuggets in the car, which was probably worse. Actually, yeah. it's a bad option. But Crystal Palace, okay. uh, and, uh, and credit where it's due, not least of which is seeing that up close and personal, seeing the way they do their business is a remarkable thing. Um, and they deserve to get the win. Uh, or, they, or the worst thing they, they deserve to do is come away without losing. I would give them that. You know, it's a funny old game and there was a couple of, you know, quest, arguably questionable decisions that weren't. But the main reason I picked them is because of only last month, the, the, the diatribes and criticism they were getting... From their own manager. Yeah. Let me take you back to uh, September, those balmy evenings. And there was an evening down the Sellers Park, and it was called the Palace for Life launch. And it's a big thing they do, big charity thing. And, and Roy Hodgson was, was, was the guest. Yeah. So he turned up, and all the Palace... Palace for Life just sounds like a kind of like a, a prison film now. Mm -hmm. because you, the, and he sounds like the warden when it comes to the motivational speech that he gives. He says... Okay, I like I like to say yeah, it's going to be a great season. I'm paraphrasing bits. Yeah, but there are not going to be rainbows and blue skies. <laughs> There'll be plenty of fighting and heartache. That's what he told. Oh, no, and, and, the and gathering. He, and he also said at the start another interview that I saw. He said, "Well, our big target this season is to avoid relegation." He's the only one who's allowed to say that, isn't he, Roy? Yeah, yeah. get away um, with it. Yeah. Well, look, I, I'm not totally convinced that the, the fans were that wild about that. that two speech, two things but... about about this, Danny. I mean, I admire Crystal Palace. One, yeah. um, their away form shows you that. Uh, that's when you judge a team. What do they do away from home? It's all right when there's 36, 46, 56,000 people cheering you on. What are you doing away from home? And their away form is fantastic. And also, along with Burnley, um, am I gone mad? Are they the only two teams in the Premier League who even bother with defence now? <laughs> well, you proper defending. They're well drilled. You can see they get on the training ground um, and their managers. Um, basically, I think it's monotonous some of the training at times. But you know, if you're getting results, if you're organised, then as a player, you'll kind of accept it and. 
you know, those two managers are, are very good at that. Um, they but don't it has try to be monotonous, be... doesn't it? You have to understand yeah. about the gap between the two centre-halves and the full-backs. You have to understand about the gap between your line of four and the midfield four. In their case, it's usually four, isn't it? Yeah. Or three, whatever they're doing well, at any given seven, time. seven, I think it was. Uh, oh, I've fan, seen yeah. them line up ten across <laughs> their own <laughs> penalty why, area. That's yeah. why Palace are so good away from home, because yeah. they do play and set up like an away side generally. Um, even at home, they kind of play that way, and it's so difficult to to break down um, you see a lot of teams now they want to try and play in between the lines and get in those pockets of spaces and you have to be well drilled as a side to, to stop teams doing that and I, I couldn't really see where Sam's going to be honest with you until they put that lovely passage of play together it was it was a thing and, and, and where they're cute as well Palace and this is credit I mean I know he may not be there forever but Will Zaha works like a Trojan for him and takes so much attention Away from they play Schlup as the uh, the left sided attacker, and they gave acres of space, and then yeah, exactly, but Townsend came on and of course made a massive difference. So suddenly they've got he's got the right kind of attacking players when required, and he's doing all this often with Christian Benteke on the pitch. It's like it's like a game to them now, Palace, isn't it? (laughs) Can we do it? Can we do it? Yeah, we'll play Christian this week. We'll play with ten. See how it goes. He got two minutes, I think. Well, Christian, yeah, and lucky to get them the way the way he's performed um thank you very much indeed for that that was a quite a, a quite a remarkably potent um dissertation on why crystal palace should be the performance of the week um you're going down the league danny i have to go with stoke city uh, yeah uh, my fellow welshman nathan jones has been under all kinds of pressure <laughs> was it i think going into the weekend two two points from 10 games Three um, wins in a, in, yeah, a, in a long time up In there. a long time. Yeah. Um, off the back of a you know Nathan. loss to Huddersfield. I know him a little bit, yeah. yeah. Come across him. Um, had a little uh, spell as caretaker um, at Cardiff City, and we actually played Brighton, and he was kind of just um, learning his trade at that point. He was one of the, you know, I think he was a first-team coach at the time. Um, so come across him, know him a little bit, and... I'm absolutely delighted to kind of see them get a win on the weekend. He's, he's an intense man, isn't he? Yeah. He is. He is. <laughs> Danny, <laughs> he is. You, you've played in both divisions and you probably, I suspect you've also been promoted and or relegated up and down. Yeah. What has gone on at Stoke City? I mean, you players players play in the Premier League and I'm sure it's wonderful. You can go into nightclubs and say, see me, Premier League player, darling. Oh, yeah, all that. Yeah. And the money is poured through your your letterbox each each Monday morning um, like a, a shovelfuls of dough just fall through a door. But when you get relegated, isn't it part of your responsibility to carry on playing for that club and try and sort it out? It certainly is. Uh, but some players, unfortunately, they don't have that mentality. Um, I think that when you get relegated, the dressing room almost becomes fragmented a little bit there's players who have maybe played in the championship have, have got you to that point of getting in the Premier League who are still there and understand what the championship is all about then you have players who have been brought in on big money when you get to the Premier League and then suddenly you get relegated and they're like well I don't want to be here anymore and it's you just don't have the right mentality I don't think for the group and I think that's been a big problem for Stoke um, was he naive to, because the Cowleys took Huddersfield on which feels like a lesser version of Stoke because they don't carry quite as much emotional Premier League baggage as, yeah. as Stoke do. Did was Nathan just was was a bit too much ego involved in this, this decision making there? Because Luton's a brilliant little place, yeah. a little petri dish in which he can form his ideas. But to, is people, he naive yeah. going to Stoke and thinking he can do the same thing? Well, that is the problem with you know these young managers trying to make their way in the game. Um, particularly, you know, when you start at kind of lower level. I think 
you can influence those kind of players yeah. a lot easier. Yeah. And then when you start, well, they're up relying to a on you job, to pay their mortgages. It's different once you get a bit get higher up the league. Yeah. You could look at the likes of Gary Rowett going there, stepping yeah. into a bigger job, found it difficult, and suddenly you're you're dealing with players with bigger egos on big money. A lot of people probably looking at Nathan Jones and saying, "Who are you?" Kind of thing. Yes. You know what I mean. Um, and if you come in with that bit of arrogance, I mean, he's come out after the win on the weekend saying, you know, pundits saying I'm arrogant, this, that, the other. It's not true. You obviously haven't been inside the four walls of the training ground and stuff. And that's not how I am. But okay. that's what the rumours have been, really. Yeah. And, you know, he is quite strong-minded and his, his views are and you his just choosing and, Stoke because they beat Swansea um, well Swansea were the top of the league I saw Swansea <laughs> yeah but you're a former Cardiff City player aren't you yeah. how many whammies is this one be yeah. A, <laughs> yeah. hear him reversing out that answer beep yes very nice too no but I just thought the pressure that he's been under is he saved do you think because he would that's have been thing, done, possibly wouldn't he, not. International Week? Well, that's probably thrown a conundrum up to the stuff yeah, boards. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's probably made the decision more difficult, but the International Week is, as we all know, danger time for managers. Yes. Um, are we really going to go through this whole performance of the week at the start of the, the show here and not mention the team that's won at the Etihad? It, it doesn't seem very likely to me. I mean, um, Wolverhampton Wanderers, who have had a sticky enough start to the season themselves, um, they, they were, you know, there have been people who are thinking, well, Manchester City got eight last time at home. They could easily knock up ten here. Yeah. And yet the final result, 2-0 uh, to Wolves, tells me that that's the performance of the week. Manchester City um, had their traditional 17 or 18 pots at goal. Oddly, only two of them on target, um, which tells you that they, they aren't firing on all cylinders. Um, the defeat of Norwich, the home draw against a useless Spurs team, mm. tells you they're not quite at it and I wonder whether it's a nervousness Danny and I'm bigging up central defenders here caused by losing Laporte and everything about the team is slightly five degrees five percent nervous now because they don't have what they need at the back but Wolves took tremendous advantage now and one of my favourite players Adama Traore um, what a a sprinter he is he goes he goes at you that boy can move now obviously it doesn't always result in anything to do with football (laughs) Uh, that's, that's not unfair is it and he is built like a sprinter as well. Yeah. So yeah. To, I was thrilled for him today to see him turn two of those incredible flashes of speed into actual football incidents. <laughs> to do it at Manchester City, to lead to a 2-0 victory, he was part of a tremendous Wolves performance. Um, and they're doing this without Doherty as well, I think really makes their team much more balanced. Yeah. Um, I can't believe... I honestly... Much as I admire Crystal Palace, and obviously anyone who beats Swansea is a big deal, Danny, I get that. With Stoke City, I, I think it's got to be Wolves because they won at Manchester City. Unless we, unless we forget as well, they've got the, Euro, the Europa League campaign. Yeah. He's, he's going how they planned. Good win. And, exactly. And, 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 you know, we, look, we saw... I mean, we saw Burnley absolutely stumble at the blocks, didn't we, when they yeah. tried to get both right yeah. and failed in both territories. No league points... No Europa League run. They've I don't know why I'm looking at poor old Danny ball. here just because he's a professional, but I never get this. Half the time we're told, oh, we're not really up to full speed yet in the Premier League. That was that bad result because we're not, you know, we wait till October till we're all fully fit. And yet the teams in the Europa League have had extra games. Oh, no, we're a little bit jaded now because yeah. we've had the extra games. Well, you can't have it both ways, <laughs> it strikes me. No, it is a mentality thing, I think, as well. But um, they seem to have to... Well, he seems to have Pep's number a little bit, doesn't he? I think um, Nuno. Yeah, that's good. He does, he does indeed. Him, so, uh... Danny, because you're the newcomer here and uh, because we like the cut of your jib, I'll let you um, make uh, the, the first case. You, um, you can stick with Stoke City or you can be persuaded by the erudition of myself, old Mark, for Crystal Palace or Wolves. <laughs> 
I'm going to stick with my original decisions. Yeah. City. And this is the kind of stubborn stuff we were expecting from the Gabadon, I've got to say. <laughs> it felt so less stokey, so much more Swansea-z. Though, didn't yeah. it? I don't know. Once I, once I, once I, thought, I thought once I pulled him on that, he would surely back off from the idea of Stoke <laughs> no, City. It's not our performance no. of the week. Which means you and I have to sort this out now between ourselves, Mark. Yeah, exactly. I'm giving it you. Um... I, 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 I enjoyed the fact that, I mean, the Palace are kind of... Palace are in this amazing position, but Wolves are fighting on two fronts and they go away in Man City. And there's Come an on. argument. I mean, we're, what, quarter way through the season now. They're probably not the best team ever to arrive in the top four, are they? No. Indeed, one of the people who makes this uh, podcast is not in the room now, thankfully, says they're the very worst, and we'll discuss that a bit later, I think, you're a, maybe. You're not obliged to do it the same way. Well, I, I'm. I, they're allowed to do it any way they want. I'm going. I'm going gabbed on here. I'm sticking with my own idea that it was Wolves, and so there we are. The uh, performance of the week. Thank God, is Wolverhampton Wanderers. <laughs> the record book. And there's the full-time whistle. Brighton are going to revel in this, but it is an 18th defeat in 40 games since the start of 2019 for Tottenham Hotspur and this capitulation was the worst of the lot. Of course that I feel uh, that we are all together, uh, no doubt. There goes the final whistle and you know what, that is a really thoroughly well-deserved three points by Newcastle United. Looking at the Manchester United team, they look a real shadow of themselves, lacking in ideas, no imagination whatsoever, they just look slow and a bit ponderous. It's finished at St James's, Newcastle 1, Manchester United 0. They're human beings, really working hard, uh, working hard in training every single day and they need to see the results of their, uh, their hard work. We don't get them results and of course that's going to affect everyone. Well if the performance of the week was controversial there's plenty to choose from, the worst performance of the week, the mugs of the week if you like, um, just an amazing field of clubs to choose from. We almost had to do two each but we decided we'd stick at one and Danny Gabadon, uh, you were working here for Talk Sport um, uh, over the weekend and you saw um, the performance of the team that you picked for worst performance of the week. Yeah, have to go with Manchester United, Danny, I'm oh, sorry. Um, stinking, wasn't I mean, it? As you said, there were one or two other bad performances as well. You could look at the Everton result. Um, but oh, we will, don't worry about that. <laughs> but having been well up mentioned. close and personal watching United, I just, I just couldn't believe how poor they were. Um, you know, you look at that kind of Newcastle United, uh, Manchester United fixture over the years and... It's, it's always kind of produced lots of goals, exciting games. But going into the game, looking at all the stats, you actually thought it's probably going to be a nil-nil because both teams have struggled to, to score goals this season. But United, you're just looking at their starting eleven, what they had on the bench, um, how they played. I mean, just the lack of kind of urgency, no idea in the attacking areas how to get the likes of Rashford, Daniel James on the ball. Um it was just a... Poor old Marks Rashford looks like, looks like looks a lost. broken reed at the moment, doesn't he? He looks lost. Sh- shivering, playing football. It's I not don't right. actually know where he's playing. No. I don't know where he's playing. He started as kind of the main centre forward today and spent all of his time kind of in wide areas. Um, didn't really get on the ball. It was it was just a really kind of subdued performance from him. Mark and I are men of a certain vintage, so we can remember bad Manchester United teams before they pulled themselves it together. It has happened. But you mm. played against them for the last yeah. 15 years or yeah. so. Is this the weakest Manchester the United squad in 11? You... <laughs> by far. Not even close. I mean, so many world-class players in my time when I played against them. You, you, you were beaten in the dressing room. Well, yeah. in the tunnel. Definitely. Almost. You'd look across and you'd see... 
you know, world-class player after world-class player after world-class player, and you just be thinking, let's keep the score down today. If it's two or three and we get out of Old Trafford, um, yeah, losing two or three, all happy. round, isn't it? Then, yeah. But do you know what? They're, they're allowed to be. I mean, everyone's allowed to be ordinary. You know, they got no, they got no rights, even sure. though they are, and and, and they've well, chipped away at it for the last several seasons. When you spend they? nine they've been, they've been, well, this is the <laughs> They've problem. been committed to Project No Good, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, they really exactly. have, and, and they've gone for it by Jingo. But the bit that gets me, and, and you know, I, and I think, okay, like fine. So there's still progress, and given bit to, but but the last three games, you know, you had the uh, they had Arsenal, they had uh, AZ, they played with the, the you know that terrific nil nil on the plastic. It's they don't have to all be brilliant, but my word, you want a performance, you want some effort, don't you? Things that aren't necessarily all about great players. Yeah, I think. A lot of times, your your team are a reflection, kind of your manager of your manager and their kind of personality. And I look at Solskjaer and well, I actually know him because I did work under him for a few weeks when he was Cardiff he's manager. Cardiff, yeah, yeah. You know, he's a fantastic guy, lovely, lovely guy. man. That's that's evident, isn't it? Yeah, but but you need a bit more than that as a manager. You need to be able to strike fear into your players at times, and you know, let players know when they're not pulling their weight. And he, I I wouldn't say he really has that and. I just think your teams then reflect you, your personality as a manager. And, the, and there's also and the chaos that goes on at that club just now, you know. Um, the goalkeeper has played poorly by his own standards for 18 months, so they give him a £350,000 a week Luke contract. And looks allowed to sack his own coach. It looks absolutely yeah. terrible. Then, I mean, I understand. If they thought Lukaku was toxic in the club, of course you must get him out. Same with Alexis Sanchez. But you must replace him. Yeah. It's not enough to hope yeah. that that the sort of that the, the the gods of football will allow to you know, transform Marcus Rashford into a very quick wide player, which is what he is, into a centre forward, which is what they need. And for me, and I'm, I watched the game uh, while I was broadcasting. There's that moment, the most unmanchester United moment in history, where they had a free kick four minutes into a, a injury time, where they looked like they could possibly get the old Fergie time goal and salvage something from the game. Their goalkeeper was brought up. This is Manchester United in the Premier League, forced to bring their goalkeeper oh. forward for free kicks. And then the free kick itself, I'm not sure, it might have been Pereira who took it. Yeah. The free kick itself went out of play. Yeah. So it didn't matter wow. they brought up 10 goalkeepers wow. and the substitute's going to come on and the club administrators. They weren't going to score because no. nobody can take a free kick. It just shows the lack of quality that they have. You know, Pereira on free kicks. You look at their back four, it would it wouldn't even get in the top 10 I don't think I feel sorry for Ashley Young at his age Ashley yeah. having given the service he has to that club he must be thought either I'll be earning a fortune in China or I'll be lying in Marbella with people bringing me drinks with little umbrellas in the top <laughs> instead he's been forced to run up and down the left wing oh. for Manchester United aim right and by the way in a game in which and I, I defer now to the centre-half unit again Lindelof sat in the stands arguably <laughs> their best centre-half because he was and I quote sore Unbelievable. Ooh. Ooh. I mean, I couldn't even get out of PE for being sore. <laughs> this is, this so is, how does he get out of playing in This the is the worst. Do you remember when Marcelino was playing centre-half for Newcastle and he broke his finger and missed half a season with a broken finger? Had the bloody thing amputated if you want to play football. Yeah, exactly. well, you, you have to question some of these United players and how much they actually want to play. You know, Pogba's been in and out. Martial's been out for a long time. Yeah. Luke Shaw, I think, was a hamstring. and He's been out for well, at least probably four or five weeks already. Well, I guess if you're injured, you're injured. But the ones on the pitch don't want to play play that's the big issue yeah. which takes me to my worst performance of the week uh, I'm, I'm doing something unusual here i'm having to combine 
um, through bitter tears, two performances. Well done, Tottenham Hotspur. Not only did you manage to, <laughs> this is to not only did you manage to organise for me. It's not another double, is it, Dan? Uh, well, first of all, the club is 135 years old and has just moved into a stadium that is the wonderment, to use the word, of the Western world. How best to how best to baptise this stadium than to break your own worst ever record. A se- I don't count the 8-0 against Cologne back in the day in the old uh, whatever that the Intercity Cup, whatever it was called, because Spurs had amateur players um, with Alan Pardew captaining them. It's a long story, isn't it? Um, so this is their worst ever um, score at home in 135 years of football. All right, I understand it. Bayern had eight shots, seven of them went in. But part of that was they were being allowed to have shots. So that's bad enough. And you let an ex-Arsenal player score four times against you. Yeah. So obviously, to put that right, you'll go down to the South Coast against a Brighton team who struggled to score once a month. Mm. Um, and we'll put them to the sword and we'll forgive you the game against Bayern Munich. Oh, no. In the first minute, Eric Lamella turns his back on a cross so that he won't get hit and made sore by it. Um, then the goalkeeper... Because you, you could be out for weeks if you get oh, sore. You could be sore so, for weeks, know, be yeah. careful. Then the goalkeeper, captain of the world champions, and let's not forget that as well, um, decides that following one or two other indiscretions in his own six-yard box, that I'm going to drop this ball at, the, at Mopé's feet. Um, I felt a bit sorry for Hugo then, because obviously that injury is horrible, but... To be fair, if you if you'd push that ball over the bar, you wouldn't have fallen back into the net, and so you wouldn't be injured now either. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on at Spurs. I don't believe the tittle tattle on Twitter because how will we know who is sleeping with who? Um, I don't believe that the manager has lost the dressing room because we just don't know anything about that either. All I know with the evidence of my own eyes that a team that used to press other teams to death now can't be bothered to do it, and as a result, their aging defenders are getting caught more and more on the edge of their own box. Terrible, terrible. Ten goals in four days. Hats off to Tottenham Hotspur. Worst performance of the week. Terrific effort. Terrific effort. Dan, everything Dan just... I I don't know if you was listening to Danny Kelly, the other Danny. He was just talking about Tottenham there for a second. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get... I'll accept this notion that players about their futures and all this kind of stuff. How How do really good players collectively become so lackadaisical... Together, like it, 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 you know, they they can't all sit down and decide they're going to be ordinary. Do they? Did it just happen to a dressing room? Um, I think if two or three players have certain agendas, then it can just become poisonous and really? feed through the whole of the team. I think that Champions League kind of result was a big moment for Tottenham. I think if they would have won that trophy, I think. It, it might have affected the dressing room in a much more positive way. Obviously, players who were maybe thinking about leaving might have had a different mindset and wanted to stay, you know, the manager as well. Um, I just thought it would have bred a lot of more positivity through the club. It's, it's almost worked the opposite way. Totally. And I, I wonder, Danny, I mean, obviously... Players are now thinking maybe we, we're not good enough to win anything. All teams, ah, all enough. teams, whether you're talking about, you know, an editorial team in a magazine or a football team, they are very, very fragile things. If you get them going well... It's a great fun, right. and always, but as soon as bits start to fall off, you'd be amazed. So spinning plates, isn't it? Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I mean, and I think the Champions League has a lot to do with. It, although their bad form in the league started way before yeah. the Champions League final. Well, and also the the manager who for months has been. A di- 
How can you have a manager to disruptive influence and yeah. yet? He needs to stop now. And I thought his, his, his conference, uh, sorry, his press comments after the defeat at Brighton for the first time, um, he wasn't look, saying, here's my agenda as well. I haven't been able to buy this or do that. And I wonder whether he is now working out the fact that he's part of the problem. Yeah. What I was going to say, Danny, and you know more about this than me, is that um, agents are involved here as well. Spurs have reached the Champions League final with a squad that is notoriously paid well, but not brilliantly. Um, and of course, their agents will be saying, well, you see, you, you've been in the Champions League now. You should be getting what Real Madrid's players are getting. Um, or even a club that's never going to get anywhere near the Champions League final, what PSG's players are getting. Mm. And we have a situation against Southampton last week when Spurs were performance of the week, by the way, here on this insane <laughs> podcast, where he's got six players on the pitch in the, in, in the last five minutes against Southampton who he thought were going in the summer. Yeah. It's a very odd situation. It's leading to some very, very bad performances. But not as bad, I would suggest, as what's going overall... At Goodison Park. Well, I, I, that's my particular Mark. choice. Yeah. Well, only because because I, I, I'm feeling pretty bad about it because I just assumed that this season, given the fact that we we think we know the one two and then the three four five and six looks a very open field. Yeah. But Everton have positioned themselves just nicely. They got their manager. They've been buying apparently the way that he wanted to be bought, which means that Marco Silva's got the team with the pitch he wants. They announced with a. Lovely graphic, but whether it'll happen quite that way, this new stadium that ultimately, of course, will bring them crashing to the Down floor. Down the docks, like lovely. Like what new stadiums what do. But Marco Silva, as the man in charge. Now, credit where it's due. If I'm looking for one of the Premier League managers to play at the Christmas pantomime, Captain Kirk from the original TV oh, series, yeah. he's my man. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely very televisual. He's, he's good looking, he's isn't he? He's got that look. He's got the quiff. He's got the sidies. Yeah. But he has not boldly gone to that training ground and ever got them to defend or practice. Dead ball situation. How can he be so lax? And how can a man, again, it's back to you, Dan, because you'll know the dynamics of this. How can his career appear to be so impressive for a few months every time he's somewhere? And then it just kind of fall off the edge of a cliff so apparently quickly. Yeah, it seems like he can't seem to sustain things well and a lot of it does come down to that because maybe the defensive side of the game you look at wherever he's been it's always been a struggle for him um but i have to say even like the attacking side this season with everton <laughs> is a struggle so that's also an issue isn't it? Let, me, let me just let me just throw this at you um everton uh, concede another set piece goal only two teams in premier league history have a worse record conceding from set pieces at this stage of the season both were managed by marco, marco silva really yeah he's got his hat trick yeah Wow, and, and, and I just want just just to kind of back it up or to endorse my point. The quotes after the, this line after the game: the fans have the right to be angry, and I understand it one hundred percent. If I'm a fan, and that is my manager, that's my his explanation is: yeah, I know it's terrible, isn't it? Yeah. I'm really with you, lot. We're rubbish. Oh, that's a that's that, no that good. Is, that is mealy mouthed, isn't it? To try and wow. I I know how the fans feel. Do you? Yeah. yeah. The difference is you're getting hundred grand a week, and we're paying to watch it. Exactly right. Slight uh, difference. So I don't know. Dan, what, wait, wait, have you done your coaching badges? I've, yeah, I've got my A license. Yeah, so you've yeah. seen people working and their butt off to get these. Yeah. What did Marco Silva have when he got, got the well, job in the first place? That that's exactly what I was thinking. I think there are certain managers about who have a reputation without actually building one and 
it's it's a bit of a myth for me. As yeah. you say, you know, he looks nice. He he looks as if he plays his attractive football. He's a foreign coach, whatever. Yeah, let's get him in. And what has he really done when you think about it? Not and they too paid much a lot. Them. And they actually oh, had to pay over the top to get, to get in, get in Watford, there. Yeah. So Everton, you can imagine their ballroom, they must be chewing the beards off their own faces thinking, <laughs> we thought we'd absolutely nailed it here. And now, do they, do they go... Oh, have we reached that point? Is he gone? And we're talking again. It's back to the international break. Is he? Is he? I thought he. I thought he was. He'd be very, very lucky to survive the next couple of weeks. Mm. But next time we do this podcast, because of course international break next week, I'll be unsurprised if there was another name on the, in the car park at Goodison. Um, Danny, you, no, you you went first last time. Mark's a, Mark's a good bloke. Let's let him go first. <laughs> I mean, amazing field this week. Spurs for their four days of madness against Bayern and Brighton. Manchester United for the, the the distance they've fallen from Manchester United and Everton, who you rightly say yeah. uh, appear to be rudderless under Marco Silva. Want to want to stick with your choice or perhaps move on? I I, I would stick with my choice because I say he's he's insulted me because I bothered to predict Everton to be a top four, five, six club. <laughs> so it's a very personal attack. But the those other two sides have provided with me in my own way much entertainment. Man United across three entire games. You know, in yeah. various different ways. But Tottenham, for 10 <laughs> glorious goals against them. I mean... That is so West Ham. Now, I'm, he's going to back you up as well yeah, now, I isn't am, he? I'm yeah, I'm <laughs> and I, I'm I therefore will, will accept the democratic view of the people and remind myself that, of course, right now, if you're a Spurs fan, that clean sheet of Colchester looks pretty good, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides, and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. The record book. Southampton nil, Chelsea one. What a week it's been for Tammy Abraham, called up by England, and he's just helped himself to his ninth goal of the season. Very good man. 
We had a good since international break coming back. We've had a good month and uh, we need to make sure that continues when we start again. Newcastle United 1, Manchester United 0. A really good fast build-up as well by Newcastle United. And the ball has just been played out to the edge of the area. And it is Manny Longstaff who has got the goal. We have got 72 minutes on the clock. It's Newcastle 1, Manchester United 0. Second half, I just saw Jack O'Connor, I thought I'll just hit it. Uh, get a good good connection on it and we go to either side they keep it more sight you're going to go in from there um, obviously the first one probably would have looked better if it went in uh, so that was a bit disappointing but I'll take the second one from the Gallagher <laughs> yeah, Welcome back to the Game Day Record Book podcast with me Danny Kelly uh, Mark Webster of course and Danny Gabadon as you heard there in the first half Spurs have gone from last week best performance to this week worst performance um, and that is the kind of inconsistency that makes this podcast the award winner it is up and down the country uh, time to get on to our heroes uh, of the week. Um, I'm going to start, actually, because uh, you both had a go at going first. And while you two are so biased about West Ham United um, that I actually can't really take anything that comes out of your mouth seriously, um, I will now prove that I am the voice of reason, rationale, and unbiased, clear thinking. Um, my hero of the week is something called the West Ham Way. Oh, yeah. Now, the West Ham Way, I think, has, over the last 25 years, probably done West Ham United Football Club more harm than good, um, as fans pine and keen for something they remember from the days of Alan Devonshire and Trevor Brooking and before that of course when West Ham won the World Cup against West Germany thank you that, that was the, that was the all West derby wasn't it in the World Cup though. West Ham versus what, West Germany one of my favourite West against West games <laughs> the I've all, ever seen yeah. all West derby um, and I you know I've, I've been quoted this season I think West Ham have got the best squad of players um, they've had for a very very long time um, and the goal they got against Crystal Palace, um, we'll remind ourselves of the result later, um, the goal they got against Crystal Palace, I don't care whether it was scored by Bobby Moore and Martin Peters half a century ago or by the current crop of West Ham players. It was everything that I've ever heard about the West Ham way. And, of course, it was also, because we don't be looking back in time, it's the most modern goal as well. It starts in their own half where I think perhaps one of the four or five of them who are clustered together might want to belt the thing and get it out of danger. But in fact, they do that Rondo thing that they do in training now where somebody holds a bib and they, you know, they pass it around him. Uh, it takes them five or six passes, including a lovely kind of nutmeg as well, to get the ball free. After that, the pace and the intelligence of West Ham United's players um, keeps the ball moving. It goes out to the right-hand side of the penalty area. The cross comes, and even now... It should fail because West Ham haven't had a decent finisher for so long. <laughs> Even now, it should come a cropper, it's and we so don't true. and we don't have to talk about it. But Sebastian Allaire is not that man, no. um, and he finishes off what I think was an 18 move pass. Um, and I am rarely, uh, I rarely bother to clap West Ham United in any meaningful way. When I saw it and uh, the highlights program on BBC last night, I didn't stand up. I, mean, I, don't, I would do too much red wine for me to stand up. Um, but I certainly applauded. A brilliant, brilliant goal. And the West Ham way for producing that is my hero of the week. And you two are going to vote for him. We might just want to have the rest of the discussion now. <laughs> well, I, I, if I can put like a bit of... And of course, I've, I've, I've seen this left-footed, silky genius yeah. start many a move in a West Ham shirt for me. And he understands exactly that's how... Yeah, conceded West, 65 in West, that right-hand West column. Yeah. the ball there. That's, he understands that. Danny didn't but laugh when I said that. But, look, <laughs> but of course, he liked the rub of this somewhat 
is that every time it happens, and I use the phrase every time very loosely because it doesn't happen no. that often. Yeah, Harry's it kind comment. of reminds you of a thing that you think you think you saw. Yeah. The folklore, <laughs> the myth of what you actually believe happened all the time. It's the it's the fortunes, it's the bubbles that have been bursting constantly over the foot over our football grounds across the decades. It just it serves to remind you that that's what they want to do. Mm. But also remind you that it's not always that easy. <laughs> it's the brilliant goal devalued by the fact that then they then, in a very West Ham way, contrived to lose the match to the Crystal Palace. Yeah, isn't it weird? That is the West Ham way at the minute. Funny, exactly. <laughs> that whole ninety-minute performance, Jen. Yeah. No, it wasn't like that in your day, was it? Um, yeah, there was a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little bit, to be fair. But I mean, I think if West Ham can play at that tempo more, then they will be a dangerous team this yeah. season. But. The tempo's a little bit too slow for me in possession. They, they, the they ball, are sporadic in tempo. Yeah. You'll get five minutes here, five minutes. And so, and they've won games being that. Being conservative, yeah. then suddenly expansive, and getting the goal when, you know, at the right time. But as you say, it, come, it does come back and bite them a bit. And, and you know, I mentioned, obviously, you know, I, I, that's why credit where credit's due to Palace is they didn't panic, and they got the win the Palace way. Yeah, well, the, 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 a really fine goal. Who's your hero of the week, Danny? Um, well, I was actually going to go with Aaron Connolly, who scored the two goals for Brighton, yeah. obviously on his debut for... Um, and come, as a supporter of the Republic but... of Ireland, who are so desperate for anybody... <laughs> I mean, we're, we're so spoiled, of course. For 15 years, Robbie Keane scored all the goals in international yeah. football. He scored them against Germany and Italy and Brazil. Then he scored them against Moldova yeah. and um, Zivzniag and all the rest of it. Then suddenly, bang, a complete stop. Nobody yeah. scores at all. And well, maybe he's going to be one of the answers. Troy Parrott. Yeah. There's one or two coming through now yeah, at last. I think, I think he's the first person to score since Robbie Keane. Two goals, an Irish kind yep. of youngster since Robbie Keane, 1999 or something like that, wow. I think it is. So, um, but certainly when I played, you had Shane Long coming through. You had um, Sh- Shane's a trier, Kevin but Doyle. he's just not yeah. a good finisher, is he? Ke- what, Kevin the same. Yeah, but what I would say, they were hungry, yeah. young, hungry players yeah. who wanted to prove themselves. I used to hate playing against those those boys, really tough battles. And he looks very similar, actually, Alan Connolly. I thought he gave Alderweireld and Vertonghen an absolute nightmare. Robbie Keane wouldn't be a bad comparison either because what, obviously what he, if he's as a forward, Robbie Keane was never yeah. your obvious number nine, was he? And so you're talking about, funny enough, he looks like Robbie Keane or he plays like a winger. I mean, funny we should talk mm, yeah, about Marcus Rashford earlier. But he's, exactly, he looks like he's capable of playing anywhere across that front line. Yeah, but I'm not actually going to no. go for him. Um, I'm go you for just a... said that to make me feel happier about <laughs> yeah, the world, which is good, even though it's against Spurs. No, you're, down, you're yeah. a bit low at the minute, Danny. So I'm going to I'm going to go with Matty, Matty Longstaff, yeah. similar kind of I don't do low about Spurs, I get only angry. I'm absolutely <laughs> blinking volcanically livid with the whole thing. Yeah, so... Um, Young Matty Longstaff making his debut oh, for Newcastle. It's, it's a fantastic story. Alongside his brother, of How course, Sean, who's an outstanding young prospect as well. 19 years of age, uh, the youngest player to, to debut and score in the Premier League for Newcastle. Um, and I have to say, he was he was absolutely outstanding. Could have had two goals, hit the crossbar in the first half. They looked really comfortable, they bossed, didn't they? They bossed that midfield. The, two, the, the brothers bossed the midfield. You know, you're looking across at Manchester And the United. North East has finally got a ginger-haired player who yeah. isn't going to get sent off in the third minute. <laughs> <laughs> we all know who I'm referring to. Hello, Jack. Well, Matt is slightly the unlucky one because you look yeah. at Sean and he's a bit more kind of strawberry blonde. But, yeah. he, but they, you just know you, you uh, can't argue you, against that, Matt. Uh, uh, do you know how much fun would it's got to be there out there? Is there an old school folk? Photographs, because yeah. there's one, and then there's the other brother, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> 
we're not. We, we, we shouldn't. I'm not having a pop of ginger pickle. My favourite person in the world. My sister is absolutely carrot topped. Um, but he it was a, not only, and also a little bit of credit here to Steve Bruce, yeah. who was under terrible 100%. pressure. It goes to three at the back because it suits him, what he's always done, and then puts in a debutante. He must yeah. have known that the uh, the lad was ready for it. Fantastic. Yeah, you have to give credit to Steve yeah. Bruce as well because not easy when you're under pressure, when you're not getting results to, to throw young players into the team. But you know, hearing his brother kind of speak on the interview after, and he said, look, he's been the best player since pre-season. And, mm. and deserved his chance. So he's obviously been knocking on the door. Credit to Steve Bruce. He could have gone with a Shelby, a more experienced player, thrown him in and, I suppose, like I said, run, you run the show. It is a bit easier for Steve Bruce to make those sort of decisions because he has the uh, the absolute unquestioned backing of the Newcastle fans, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, you could hear that. Although, I'll tell you what, little ch- there'll be a vault face today, won't there? I, I, there'll be a little vault face during the course of this time now because he's got that win. And yeah, got, and so he's got yeah. it right. So you know, job done. Well done to him. Who's your hero, Mark? Um, what a week for Tammy Abraham. Um, birthday, no less. Yep. England call up, no less. He's also now got a record that matches. I think it's eight goals, eight games. I think the way it breaks down. Another young starlet who plays forward, uh, and and also is a, a, a member of the England squad, Marcus Rashford. And it just makes me wonder a little bit. Whether the fact that Tammy Abram, I mean, albeit by a somewhat circuitous route, he's got himself the number nine shirt at Chelsea, but he's had that time away to learn his trade, where Marcus Rashford's had to learn all of his trade, you know, at Manchester United, and I'll be seeing the results there. And that's almost why, I mean, that's that's pretty good for me. That's good enough for me. But I only learned by just checking his birthday that his first name's Kevin. Uh-huh. What? Yep. Really? He's real. He's got four first names. Four? Tammy's the third. Yeah. His first name's Kevin. <laughs> oh, in that case, he can play for the Republic, can He's he? In. <laughs> Anyone who and and but but it occurs to me the reason I particularly go for him because you look more Tammy than you look Kevin. I think Tammy suits him. Uh, Kevin's I, wrong. I love to yeah. see a young player who people have doubts about step up to the yes. plate and uh, also um he, he you know with the reti- with the premature retirement of Jamie Vardy from the England squad at last they've got a direct competition for Harry Kane a direct replacement mm. they need to and someone who can also augment him they could you could put the two of them up there together um and i think that you know he, his England debut can't come quickly enough and i had a feeling um, that he was going to won't be one of those that that, uh, that that was going to make it because not the previous season, the season before was at Bristol, where you know you're a Chelsea trainee, you're on a lot of money, and you get farmed out to a very unfashionable club. With all due yes. respect to Bristol City, did he moan? Did he groan? Did he gripe? No, he got on and scored a bucket load of goals and said, "I'm actually I'm a, I'm a good footballer." Me, I, I love him actually. That's I why I wonder if all those loan deals have served him so well as I say because Marcus as a, if we make that comparison you can do because they're both young men who've got the same kind of scoring record early in their life but Marcus Rashford has had to do all of his learning in the glaring spotlight of being an old Trafford superstar but Marcus has had two other disadvantages they keep on trying to push a square peg into yeah. a round hole and he's he has played I mean Jose Mourinho will point to the two trophies he won but overall he's played in a team that doesn't serve their forwards very well Chelsea under Frank Lampard purring along they as far as I can yeah. see um, you know Jorginho has pushed a little bit further forward yeah. so that those passes mean something Mason Mount can clearly see a gap in the defence I thought Callum Hudson-Odoi for his first game back 
fantastic. Yeah. Um, God, this has been a sickening week, hasn't it? Spurs are terrible. <laughs> Chelsea are good. Thank, thank God for West Ham. I don't know what's happening out there. Um, who is um, who is your hero? That's all our heroes of the week there, isn't it? So Tammy Abraham, uh, Matty Longstaff, or the West Ham way. Now, before you two pipe up with your ah. claret and blue hearts, um, I per- personally, um, I've changed my mind now. I think the story is so brilliant. Um, one's debut. Who did you make your debut against? Ipswich. Mm-hmm. For West Brom. For West Brom. Yeah. And I bet, do you remember much about it or is it just a big blur well, now? No, I remember a lot of things. I got man in the match, so I definitely. Oh, Gavin's on everybody. <laughs> I should yeah. know that in there. Well. But I think I think a player's debut is such a, a, an um, important moment for them. Yeah. And even if they don't go on to have a great career, they can still say, I played professional football. But to do it in front of 51,500 people, to do it against the biggest club in world football, to. Do it and score the winning goal. Next to your brother. Next uh, to uh, your next brother. That makes I a mean, huge showing him up. Yeah, yeah And exactly. your brother actually hands you the man of the match. Uh, For me, after. I mean... He's never going to mention that again, is he, though? <laughs> That's the important thing. Well, when he replaces <laughs> the, the brother of the team, yeah. yeah. Um, for me, it's the long staff, yeah. but I'll happily go with whatever you choose, Danny. Surely, Mark. Surely uh, you're coming I, with me on this. It's... That's just and, and listen, Tammy Abrams. He's got plenty of other things to be excited about, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. His birthdays, yeah. England caps, records. He's all yeah. right. He doesn't. Uh, Kevin, not this time. Yeah. Give it, give it. We to give the it, give him a very long. Very, start. very good. Cut to a flat somewhere in the Fulham Road, and a big tear runs down Tammy Abraham's face. <laughs> I'm not the hero of the week on the Game Day Record Book podcast. Sorry, Tammy. Your day will come. <laughs> The Record Book. Origi flicks the ball over Pereira. Albrighton is back, but Albrighton has lost it. Mane was at a penalty. It's a penalty to Liverpool. Sadio Mane upended. James Milner against Kasper Schmeichel, the England veteran. Sends the keeper the wrong way. It's buried into the left-hand corner of Schmeichel's net. James Milner, Jurgen Klopp, and the whole place goes ballistic. The strikers, the modern strikers now, they're, they're clever. He's had a touch and, uh, and gone over, but I think if the referee didn't give it, I don't think anyone would have said it was a clear and obvious penalty. Yeah, but unfortunately, it went against us. Which takes us, of course, nicely now on to our villain of the week. I'm going to start this because I don't think he's going to win. Um, my villain of the week could be almost a new category, Mug of the Week. And once again, uh, the uh, the Clariton Blue Crossed Hammers of West Ham United are hove into view. Um, David Gold, part owner of the club. Not, not the worst bloke I've ever met. Actually, I spent some time with him. He was all right. Um, but uh, after Spurs were getting them the various parts of their anatomy handed to them um, at Brighton, he went on Twitter um, and he said, and Mark, you'll be able to tell me about his Twitter record very soon. And he said, oh, look at that. Spurs are getting beat 3-0 at Brighton. He didn't put ha, 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 crying face, crying face, crying face emoji, but he might as well have done. I've got to say, David, mate, you really want to save that stuff until your team has played. Because, of course, within three hours, his own team had scored the goal of the weekend, but still got beaten by Crystal Palace. And there was a part of me, I'm a nice guy. But the, there was a mean part of me went, they are David. There's your la-ha-ha-ha. There's Spurs' defeat at Brighton. You've now lost at home 
to Crystal Palace. So that would be my villain of the week, but kind of uh, just a kind of old mug of the week. But I, I believe he's got form on Twitter. He <laughs> does indeed, God bless him. He's he's out there giving it a go. And he, like, you know, he embraces it. He's, he's, yeah. he's often got pictures of, of his family and friends, and and uh, which is always fun because, of course, he's, uh, he's, he's got his, his daughters working at interesting part of the entertainment industry I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'll draw a discreet veil over that <laughs> although I don't think you can buy any discreet veils no. in the shops <laughs> uh, that they work in but he he's he's had an interesting time in his, uh, no one's to, listening now everyone's he, moving their phone yeah. out they try, he does try and engage but he does get caught out And but I like this because he's, it's, it's innocent and it's honest. Yeah, I know. But what he didn't do, which is what we we're all doing, is muttering by hand our hands, this might be the best day. We've yeah, this could, it could be, yeah. It started so well. All we've got to do is get past... All we've got to do is get past Palace. <laughs> the thing about David is he's such a, um, uh, a storyteller. I, mean, I did my, my famous and award-winning show here on TalkSport. I did a long three-hour interview with him for My Sporting Life. And when he told me that he was born in Green Street, and I totally believe that... Um, actually, no, his family were bombed out twice during the war and then had to move to a house in Green Street. This is a great story. It's only when he says to me, and you know what the address was? I know. 442 Green Street. Then you start to think, is this true? Yeah. Am, I being, am I being pulled here? Because <laughs> I didn't believe a word of that, I've got to be he, honest. He, he pl- no, he was born at 3211. <laughs> he much prefers that system, yeah. I, I'm surprised he actually did that, because norm- I'm sure it's normally Mr Sullivan that normally gets yeah. uh, Well, he is now or... famously gone very quiet. Yeah, yes. He got told to, basically, didn't he? He, is, he? he was seen to be trying to fill a vacuum when all wasn't so good there. And and he was much more the attack dog of the of the partnership, where David Gold was just this kind of venerable yes. old geezer. Yeah, which is which, and he, you know he kind of is. You know, I, I mean, oh, he's, he's, oh no, he's definitely not, as you say, the the rottweiler of that association at all. No. Um, but uh, maybe David, son, you two both, you've been around West Ham all your life. You've played for the club. Um, even if you wanted to buy a coat that made you look like a Soviet admiral. <laughs> where could you get such an item? Where did he get where did he get that coat? You've seen it up close, I imagine. Oh, I can only think um, <laughs> a charity shop. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he's worn it for 20 he years, hasn't he? It. He, he loves that coat, doesn't he? Coat, doesn't he does it? like it a lot. Yeah, it's, it, it's a strange situation. And they're, they're a weird breed. And But I read a piece the other day and... It was it was pointed out by John Dillon, who writes the Evening Standard, one yeah. of the classic West Ham paparazzi mafia, as, yeah. as is often been referenced. And he did point out, of course, if they may not be loved as a, a group, including Karen Brady up there, because they've had to do make hard decisions. But he, he then went on to say, "But at what point were we meant to be in love with our chairman?" And it's a good point. I mean, yeah. it's football fan. And, and and let's be brutally honest. You know, you go back through West Ham's history. We've had some notorious old rotters. Oh, the, the Icelandic oh, fella with a little before, bean of a head. And back to the sixties, you know. With, oh. it, and so, like, really, it's just there's no. But what they are now is high profile, isn't it? So that's the thing. So welcome to West Ham History Month here on the BBC. <laughs> um, who's your Who's your villain of the week, Danny? Um, I've got my defenders kind of hat on here a little bit, and I'm looking at the team who probably defends the least in the Premier League. Wow, that that is so accurate. <laughs> There's a lot of those. Exactly. Well, yeah, um, and probably the the team with a, with only one senior real defender in the team. That's Nicholas Otamendi, um, and I'm looking at his role in in the first goal against Wolves, and um, nothing short of 
disgraceful, to be honest with you. Um, what what does he? What is he trying thinking? to achieve? Yeah. Yes. What's his know. deal? Um, I think you see it from a lot of these kind of foreign defenders. Um, in one v one situations, they tend to just kind of lunge in and commit themselves. And it's, I've got to go and win the ball. If I don't win it, and you skip round me. So it's okay, go and score kind of thing, which I just found really strange. Um, and he constantly does it. You know, he's probably for me, he's probably one of the worst. Well, he is the worst one v one defender, I think. And yet, some, and yet somehow he has got fifty caps for Argentina. When yeah. I was a boy, if you played for Argentina at the back, it meant one, you were made out of solid yeah. granite, and two, you knew how to defend your goal. Yeah. Those days clearly have passed us by. And wonder what Lionel Messi makes when he runs out with Nicholas Octamendi in the lovely towering yeah. over him, by the way. <laughs> And in the lovely celestial blue and white stripes, oh, he thinks, dear. "I'm gonna. Are we gonna win this World Cup? Oh no, Nick's here." But, he, uh, but lest we forget, he got bought by Man City. Yes, I mean, you know, he was acquired yeah. to be a centre half of Manchester. Yeah, City. but they bought Mangala as well. Yeah. They haven't got the best record in yeah. that department at this but moment. But what do they so. think they're looking at when they buy centre half like that? Well, it was it was him and Mustafi at Valencia who played together, weren't they? And right. you can look at Mustafi Good does Lord. exactly the same thing. Commits How many himself. goals did Valencia um, let in? Must be thousands. Well, they are a classic four-three team, Valencia. Except when when um, uh, Benitez was there, when they yeah. sorted that out, they still a team who like to yeah. win four-three or lose four-three. Right, um, that I'm makes being, sense. Then. Now you've got you. This is interesting. You so you've gone for Nicholas Otamendi and Manchester City's defence. Yeah. I've gone for a club owner. You've gone for a referee. I have, and and and. I, I, because I'm not, but I'm not fingering Sadio Mane. You're not what? You what? That's correct. <laughs> I am not. not. You heard me say yeah. it here. Uh, that's not the first time I say it. So I won't say first. Um, th- the penalty that, that wins Leicester uh, so w- wins Liverpool the game against yes. Leicester. Now um, it's a lot of dispute, a lot of conjecture. Mm. It's you know it, it falls right back into the modern way with the VAR, and it's been dished out by Michael Oliver. Now Michael Oliver may still look like. He could play the lead in Oliver. <laughs> but he's been around forever. Yep. And only uh, two months ago, before the start of the season, he was he was very, very vociferous about advocating VAR with an interview uh, with Martin Ziegler in the Times, in which he said, I don't like the idea of driving for four hours knowing I've made a critical mistake, and describing VAR as the safety net that is going to make refereeing a better thing. It's 93 minutes in a 1-1 yeah. game. Mm. Critical. About as critical as life gets at any given moment in your refereeing career, one might argue. He sees a thing. I'm not saying that he doesn't think he necessarily doesn't see a penalty. All I'm saying is, why don't you believe your own words at this stage, Michael? Safety net. You have available to So you. you think he should have let it go and let VAR make the decision? He had the opportunity to check his own decision. Two ways. Asking the VAR to say, have I seen a foul before Mane goes down? Argue, and I won't argue that he dived after he was fouled because I think they're two different things. Yes, they are. But equally, even if he if he's not bold enough to say, can you tell me if I was right? Because I think referees will struggle with that having conversations with their peers saying, correct me if I'm wrong, it can go to that dusty monitor monitor in the corner that's been gathered (laughs) covered in cobwebs and look at it and go, do you know what? Here's my safety net, 26-inch colour safety net. I got that wrong. It was his moment. Dan, do you think it was a penalty? 
it's a modern day penalty uh, for me. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, not a penalty then. Well, <laughs> no, no, it's slight contact and he that's right. He makes the most Mark of used it, the word foul. I thought it was contact. Mm. Now, whether it was a foul or not, I'm really I, not sure. Well, that's a tough one nowadays. It I mean, is. What, what's but he what, actually yeah. takes a touch after and then yes, goes he does. over, doesn't he? I mean, so what's left for defenders to do now? They, they, you they, can't what do, you do gonna... anything anymore, really. So you? how do you defend your goal? Once they're in the difficult. penalty area, it's over, it's is difficult. it? It's difficult. You can't, really, you can't lay your hands on a, on a striker now. You can't, you know, one-on-one situations if you take the, the striker down. I'm not suggesting you have to Hamza off. Chowdhury, everybody you come across. <laughs> um, but but you, if you can't use any kind of physical tactic yeah. to block the goal off, yeah. then the game... Oh, You've got sorry. the silhouette gone, thing isn't it? with your, your arms yeah. and stuff now. It's, it's, it's difficult. The, silly, the silhouette, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can't be an Otamendi now almost. You have to, you know, read the game better, stay on your feet and stuff like that. And... It's, but, it's, but even then, if you make the slightest contact with a forward, they're yeah, going to throw themselves down. to the ground. I saw Jorginho doing it for Chelsea today as well. Actually, in his own penalty area to get a free kick the other yeah. way. The tiniest touch, and that was a trick of him to hurl himself uh, to the ground. The, the defence of that is that no referee... I, 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 I remember one, I forget who it was now, but there, it might be... Um, Matty Hughes going for a Western when a referee actually gave a penalty when he stayed on his feet. I know, I know, I know. That was one time. Referee, you've got to go down or the ref doesn't make a decision. So they they provided their own problems here. I feel like King Canute here. I hope that's not the wrong analogy. Um, Just endlessly trying to defend the game, just the game of football itself, from turning into hockey, where it's all about getting penalties. Yeah. Yeah, That's yeah, how yeah, you win yeah. the game, you just yeah. get penalties. And I think some, you know, the rule about handball um, is right. You know, accidental handball by a, by, by a defending player shouldn't be automatically a penalty. It's an accident. The f- attacking players, I'm all for disallowing the goal. I know people, Alan Shearer goes mad about it. It's not fair. But we don't want the game being decided by technical fouls against defenders. Mm. That's not what I pay 90 quid, if you don't mind, sure. in the new Enormo Dome to watch and see. Um, I have to say, Danny, that uh, that's a pretty convincing villain of the week for me. <laughs> Poor old David Gold. He's had a, he, he doesn't need um, a, he'll an be award. Back, Dan. He'll be back. Yeah, <laughs> more, he'll get another he'll, chance. There'll be more material available for you. Are you happy to go with Michael Oliver? I'm more than happy to go with that. Um, out of 10, how good a referee was he when you read him as a, um, as a ref? Yeah, he was pretty good, to be fair. But all it is, he's just yeah. iced on his own petard in this yeah. particular instance. Believe in yourself. Yeah. yeah. Listen, it's been an absolute joy. There's uh, the, the Michael Oliver is our villain of the week, and that's the end of this edition of the Game Day Record Book Podcast. Me, Danny Kelly, Danny Gabadon, thank you very much for that Thanks, debut, Dan. and Mark Webster, backed by popular demand and as feisty as ever, even if there was a little bit too much West Ham for my taste <laughs> in this show. You thank asked you. me and Gabadon to come in. Thank you for listening. Or, well, he could have talked about, about Crystal Palace more, couldn't he? He did uh, get one in on Cardiff. Oh, that, on Swansea. That's yeah, it. Thank you very yeah, much yeah, yeah. for joining. Joining us. Join us again next week. And don't forget, you can also uh, download the appendix, a little bit of extra stuff that we do on this. And this week, it's about the upcoming internationals. Of course, England, Wales and others. Thanks for listening. Cheers for now. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. 
Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus of the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.